0: Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, where, as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My name's Mike Harrison. It's my privilege to be joining you today, and I want to thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions about real estate investing or how to get started or about Lifestyles Unlimited in general, I'm, I'm here to answer those and to help you along the way. My email address is askmike at INC.com. Ask Mike at LU Inc.com. Now what is Lifestyles Unlimited? Lifestyles Unlimited is a real estate educational and mentoring group. We've been in business over 30 years. We have members in all fifty states. Our investors have won National Apartment Association Investor of the Year Award nationally, thirteen out of the last thirteen years. We have an understanding of real estate investing, we know what we're doing, we share best practices, and we continuously meet and network and essentially sharpen the saw, as Stephen Covey would say. Now, I want to say this, real estate investing is a fundamental life change and enrichment for the better, and that is not an overstatement in any way shape, or form. It is not an exaggeration. If you're not a real estate investor, you may be listening to me right now saying, Harrison, holy cow, fundamental life change. What are you talking about? Look, real estate will change your life for the better in so many ways. I mean, just the blessing of the cash flow that we create on a month in and month out basis will change your life. It will brighten your day. You will feel better each and every morning When you wake up, so when I say it's a fundamental life change, it absolutely is. Now, speaking of questions from our listeners, I got a great one last week, and I want to share it. And there's a lot to this question. It's going to take a couple of segments, and I want to go through it. So let me just get started here. I'm not going to use the listener's name. I'll keep that uh, private, but uh, let me just read the question here, and, and we'll go through it. I'm a preferred member from New York at Lifestyles Unlimited. I have a single-family rental house, which I have been renting out for several years and I'm thinking of selling it. To me, do you think it would be best to sell the house without the tenant? And what would be the best way to notify the tenant of my intention? From the podcast, it sounds like you had the experience of selling single-family houses to, to transition to multifamily. Yes, I have. I have sold uh, numerous houses. I still have some. And have begun investing in multifamily. I started that in 2018, and to date, I'm an investor in over 3,000 doors of multifamily real estate. Now, this is an excellent question, and there's I, really I need more information to give you a better answer. So, I'm going to address why you would use either strategy: strategy one, sell with the resident in the home, and strategy two sell a vacant home. So I'm going to go through both of those. I hope you can you can stick with me because there are times when one makes more sense and is a better strategy than the other. Now, this email doesn't say where the home is located. I'm going to assume New York. But again, live where you want, invest where you want. I've met people that live all over the country that own houses that are seven, eight states away. So it really doesn't Matter where the home is, but I want you to understand more than anything else, real estate is local. Okay. Real estate is local. It's about the market it's in, it's about the neighborhood it's in, it's about what's going on in that market. Okay. So your best advice on this really is going to come from a real estate investor who has sold homes in the same vicinity in the same market as, as the home, okay? That's where your best advice is going to come in. Keep that in mind. However, the foundation of my answer today is going to offer some insight that can be utilized all over this great country, and, and I'm going to go through both strategies. I'm going to base my answer on what I have done. I have used both methods numerous times, so here's the answer. Dear listener, Both methods, vacant and with resident occupied, are viable choices. There are times when you'll wish to choose one method over the other. Ultimately, the method you choose will be based on the value of the home divided by the return. By looking into that, you can ascertain if this is a good investment or not. You've got to think about the person, if you're selling it with the resident in there to another real estate investor... You've gotta see it through their eyes. Is this a good investment? And and think of yourself, would I buy this home over again? So we need to understand, what is the annual cash on cash return of, of this asset, of this property? And is that return acceptable to an investor? Is it acceptable? For example, let's say the home's valued at $200,000 and it rents for $1,800 a month. Let's also agree no major repairs are needed, okay? Just paint, some carpet, essentially a few dollars to really dress this property up. And I'm saying that because in your email, you mentioned that this home's currently rented. So I'm going to take it. If you're following the Lifestyles Unlimited the way we do it, this home is functional. It's acceptable. It, it is a good rental property. It, it can be turned over just with a nice little make ready to the next resident if needed, or maybe you keep this resident in there. I don't know. So if I were to buy that home, I'd get a standard mortgage. I don't need to use hard money. The home's in acceptable condition, just needs a few, uh, not much to uh, dress it up a little bit. So I'm gonna basically get a conventional mortgage, 20% down, and that interest rate's gonna be 3.5 or less. That's $40,000 out of pocket. Now, $40,000 here in Texas, I'm going to be borrowing 160 on this rental property. That's going to put my payment, monthly payment, P-I-T-I, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, right around $1,300. Today, I'm going over a question from one of our listeners. And if you have any questions for me regarding real estate investment, lifestyles unlimited, how to get started, anything, really, please send me an email. I do respond personally to each and every email I get. And that email address is lu. I-N-C.com. ask mike at L-U-I-N-C.com. if you missed the first segment the question was should i sell my rental property with a resident or without a resident now the answer i don't have enough information really to answer it so i'm going to go through both strategies why you would use one or the other. And I started with the strategy of selling it with the resident in. Now, when you would sell a property with the resident, that means you're going to turn it over to another real estate investor. Okay. Is this a property that another investor would be interested in purchasing? So we're using an example of a $200,000 home, doesn't need a lot of work. So we're going to use a conventional mortgage and this particular property rents for $1,800 a month. My note would be 1300 so that means I would cash flow $500 a month if you're following the math. And I know on radio, it's hard to follow the math, but stick with me. If you have any questions, again, shoot me an email. 500 a month is a $6,000 a year return. Okay, $6,000. By the way, tax-free if you set this up properly, okay? Keep that in mind. $40,000 out of pocket to purchase the property, $6,000 is 15% of 40000 That means a $40,000 investment would provide a 15% tax-free cash-on-cash return. That's pretty nice. $500 a month in your pocket, that's pretty nice. That's a home I would be interested in, okay? And I can assure you that dozens of other investors would buy. Now, you need to be networking, okay? To make this really work, to make this deal, to sell it to another investor, you need that network of folks where you can put the word out and say, hey, I have a property, it's valued at X, it's resident occupied, I'd like to sell it to, I, it makes a great investment, here's why, and and show the math, and and get that into the hands of fellow real estate investors. So you should be networking. I recommend being a member of Lifestyles Unlimited because that's how I learned to invest in real estate. That being said, this radio shows for real estate investors all over the country. If you're not a member of Lifestyles Unlimited, you still need to be networking in your local city. I don't know if that's Boise, Idaho. I don't know if it's somewhere in Wisconsin, California, Hawaii, Louisiana, wherever you are, find your local real estate group, meet with those folks, attend the functions, and just get to know other people. That resource will be invaluable. And I'm going to talk about networking at the end of the show, so I hope you can stick with me. Now, we're talking about flipping this property to another investor. You may need to sell this property a little less than market value with the resident in it, okay? You may need to sell it for 185 to 195. We call that leaving a little meat on the bone. Essentially, there's going to be a little equity in the property, but that equity would cover any minor repairs. Again, I said it might need carpet, might need to be painted, something along those things. That's always a good play. The reason for that is it's going to ensure a quick sale. A real estate investor is going to want a little equity capture along with a nice cash on cash return. That's going to give you the ability to move this property quickly. Maybe you're able to save on realtor fees Maybe not. Maybe you've got a realtor in-house, what have you, that can kind of handle that. I always advise. Realtors are great. They're a fantastic resource. That's up to you. I recommend realtors. But that being said, the big factor here is you're going to be able to flip this property to another investor rapidly. You, you won't even have to put it on the MLS. So that that's going to be a nice, uh, it, it's going to be a nice move. Now let's look at this property again, and let's say for whatever reason that cash on cash return drops to $400 a month. That would move that 15% down to 12. Again, this is tax-free income. There's still gonna be a lot of folks interested in this property. But when you start coming down on that cash on cash return, there's other factors. Well, you should be looking at these factors no matter what, but these other factors become more important. For instance, Is the market expanding? Is it growing? Uh, Again, I said in the first segment, and it is so true, real estate is local, okay? What's going on at at ground level? Is there a housing shortage in in that market? And that would mean that demand is high, okay? So that's nice. If you're a real estate investor, you know that, that somebody's always gonna be interested in your property. What's the job market in the area? Is that expanding or is it declining? Very important. Is it, uh, what's the neighborhood like? Nice neighborhood? Um, is it near a school? If it's near a school, families would be interested in your property. So these are just some side thoughts to keep in mind if you're going to move your property to another real estate investor with your resident in the property. So I assure you, based on uh, if those factors are favorable and you're, you're making a 12% cash on cash return, a lot of investors would want that home. Now, let's take it down an- another notch. Let's say that return was 300 or less a month, for whatever reason. Keep in mind, we came out of pocket at forty grand. Now our returns are about 9%, again, tax-free, nothing wrong with a 9% tax-free return. But if you're in a market and rents aren't rising and there's not a substantial equity capture, Many investors may pass on that property. Many investors may say, "You know, I can take my forty grand and and I can go into a different market uh, and get a better performing property." So let's let's also keep in mind if you're to buy a property with a resident. I, I want to drive this point home: that lease will transfer to the new owner, okay? You don't get to supersede the lease just because the ownership sold. I know that's true in Texas. I'd be surprised if that wasn't true in every state in this country, okay? So the lease will move over to the new owner. You need to understand that. You need to know what this lease is. You need to get a copy of it before you purchase this property. Is it a one-year lease? Is it a two-year lease? What are the lease laws in the market? Every market's different. Every state has different laws uh, in regards to rental property. But that lease must be honored for the duration. You may buy this property knowing that the current lease is $400 less than market, but there's still six months remaining on that lease. You need to keep that in mind and calculate that before buying a, a property with a resident in it. And understand if you're selling a property with a resident in it, that's how your buyer is going to be looking at it. Also, some markets, you may have a month-to-month lease. Okay, let's say you have that. Just because new ownership comes in, you can't just say, hey, you got 30 days to vacate. I'm I'm not renewing your month-to-month lease. You can do that in some states, but in other states, there may be a 90-day requirement, for instance, a 90-day notice to vacate, even with a month-to-month lease. So you need to understand if you're buying or selling a property with a resident in it, that the lease will transfer over to the new owner, and that's going to be important to the new buyer to understand that lease. My name is Mike Harrison. When we come back, we're going to talk about selling that property vacant and why that would make sense. This is the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. We went from 100% live to 100% virtual. And you know, the funny thing is, is that nobody wants to go back to work now that work from home, right? So now my members are like, well, Dell, we want to keep those virtual things open because now I know all the people in Miami and I know all the people in Chicago. And I know all the people now know each other from all over the country because of these virtual events. The free workshop, How to Retire in Five Years or Less, is online. Go to lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, where, as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My name's Mike Harrison, and I appreciate you tuning in today. We're reviewing a question from one of our listeners, and really, it's a question on strategy. Uh, This person has a rental property, and they don't know whether they should sell this property with the resident in the property, or they should... uh, have the resident vacate, wait for the lease to expire, give notice, what have you, but once that property's empty, sell that property, an empty property. And There's advantages to both sides, but really the the answer is, if you're gonna sell it with a resident in it, this needs to be a good investment for another real estate investor, okay? There's gotta be some reasons to buy it, which really, the only reason we buy these properties is for a great return. So if this is a great return for somebody else, network and sell that property within your own network to another investor. Move it. I sold four properties one time to one investor, and the entire length took 10 days. Now, I'm not talking 10 days in contract. I'm talking from the time I made a phone call within my network and said, hey, I have four properties I need to move. And I, I called a person that was well-known for selling books of properties. This person sold everything from four or more properties to, I've, I've seen him sell 30 to 40 properties at one time, all in one package, all to one investor. So I called that person because he knows people that are out He knows the buyers, okay? So, hey, I need to sell these four properties. That afternoon, we had somebody says, he calls me Harrison. Yes, I've I've got a buyer, and then ten days later we sold them all at the same time. Now these were perfect rental properties. They were occupied. Uh, they had all been rehabbed. Um, I did sell them for about three to five percent under market. And if you missed it earlier, real estate investors like to get a little equity when they purchase these properties. Okay, that's going to help transition this. Now, why would I sell for three to five percent under market? I was ready to move. I was ready to make a move, I had some apartment properties that I wanted to invest in, and this was a very quick and easy way to do so. That deal would not have been possible if I had not networked, found the, the realtor that specialized in selling multiple properties at one time, who turns out knows a bunch of buyers. The gentleman that bought these four properties, I did not know him at the time. He happened to be a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. To this day, he is a friend of mine. He is in my networking group. That's how that happens, okay? And he knows people, and I know people, and when we have situations that come up, we help each other. Networking is that important. Now, the second scenario, when it makes sense to sell the home once the resident has moved out. I like selling a vacant home. Again, there's got to be a reason, and we're going to get to it. But number one, it will show better. You have the opportunity to really get in and clean a property up, prep the home for a solid sale, especially in today's market, right? There's a lot of demand out there, okay? So it may make more sense today than it might tomorrow or yesterday. Again, heavy market demand. If you've got a property that's in a nice neighborhood and shows well, very likely you're going to have multiple offers, including offers over ask. I just sold a property for $10,000 over ask. And this process, again, just like the previous example, moved rapidly. Now, I will tell you this. I spent $5,000. Everything was fixed. This was a great property. But I spent an additional $5,000 putting this property in excellent show condition. I redid the landscape. I redid the interior and exterior paint. New carpet, restained the fence, tuned up the air conditioner, tuned up the garage door opener. I did a deep clean and made sure the home was spotless and in mint condition because the market conditions were right to sell this property publicly on the MLS. So this property was marketed I hired a realtor to do that, a realtor that lived locally near this property. Why? Because this realtor knew the market. Real estate is local. I cannot stress that enough. Now, the second reason why I sold this property, well, really, the real reason why I sold it without a resident in it is the dominating reason is this property would not have been a good investment for another real estate investor. It had appreciated to a point to where the returns were single-digit returns. And so I knew that real estate investors would not be interested in this property. I'd owned this home for six years. The value of the home had increased 100%. It had doubled in value. It went up 23% in the last 12 months months. Don't tell me there's not inflation out there. Insanity. It had skyrocketed in value. But because the value of the home, literally the rent of this property could not keep up with the value of the home. I hope you're kind of picking up what I'm putting down. So in that regard, it was time to sell. I'd already refinanced this property once, too. I mean, this was a great property, great neighborhood, convenient to three freeways within a few blocks of an elementary school so the, the the smart move here was to sell this property on the open market without a resident. Get the resident out, clean it up. There's a great family that lives there now. This is a win, 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 win. It's a win for the owner that purchased the property. It's a win for the seller, me. It's a win for my realtor. And it's a win for my contractor that I... Essentially called out of the blue, hey, bro, we need to do some work. Let's make this thing shine. And that was $5,000, but it was worth every penny. Again, as I said, I got 10000 over ask. So this is Texas. We're seeing that here. Again, think about what's happening in your market where your property is. Now, just like my previous example, networking made this deal possible. A friend found it for me six years ago. Networking, right? Hey, I'm I'm in the market to buy properties. If you know of any, please call me. That's exactly how I found this property. The realtor that sold this property was referred by a friend. So I called my buddy. Hey, I need to sell this property. Who do you recommend? Call so-and-so. Guess what? I am friends with that realtor today. He is now part of my networking group. We're able to share best practices. We're able to share um, ideas. We're able to share thoughts. If someone's in a situation and they don't know what to do, we ask others. That's how important networking is. Your networking group that you have, and, and again, I highly recommend you join a group somewhere. Network with them Learn, understand real estate investment. It's invaluable. Now, if you're interested in Lifestyles Unlimited and you want to see how we do things based on my above examples, go to lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. And you can see how we make money five ways on single family properties, six ways in multifamily properties. You can tune into the workshop from the comfort of your home. I do want to tell you this. It's not a video. It's interactive. When I went nine years ago, obviously it was live in person. You can ask questions. Now with the beauty of technology, the internet, we have certain set times. If you go to that lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com, you can register for that class. My name is Mike Harrison. I'm a real estate investor here in Dallas-Fort Worth on Properties all over, let's see, throughout the Metroplex, I've owned several homes, but I'm also a partner in over 3,000 doors of multifamily property throughout Texas and also in Mississippi. I do own uh, some partnerships in Mississippi. So live where you want, invest where you want. I was reviewing earlier a question from one of our listeners, and I do get a lot of email during the week, and I really appreciate it. Please feel free to email me if you have any questions. That's askmike at l-u-i-n-c dot com. Askmike at l-u-i-n-c So another question that I received last week, I'll just read it to you. Essentially, this question is from a listener, and it said, um, she has a question whether I measure or track the performance of my entire portfolio of real estate or the performance of my assets individually, okay? Performance of the portfolio as a whole, or performance of assets individually. Now, this is an interesting question. You would think the answer is obvious. If you're a real estate investor, let's give this person some leeway. She's just getting started. She's just learning how to invest and purchase properties. And, And again, I said becoming a real estate investor is a fundamental life change for the better. And I applaud her for the question. When I had IRAs and 401ks, I tracked and measured the entire portfolio, the bottom line of the portfolio, okay? Quarterly and annually, right? You get your quarterly statement, you look at it, you're up, you're down. Same thing annually. Yes, toward the end there, it got real easy to pull up online, right? It's too easy just a few clicks and, and see daily where it is. But really, I measured it on a the end of the year statement. You know, total portfolio up 7%, total portfolio down 18%. Really, for me, that was just a measurement of how much our wealth grew at the time. I didn't know what I didn't know. This is prior to real estate investing when I was a 401k IRA guy. And honestly, for me, again, toward the end, before I made the change. It became a measurement of how far I needed to go to retire. How much more do I need? Frankly, one would go crazy if you took the hundreds of hours to look and analyze every stock in your portfolio. It's impossible. Look, twelve mutual funds. You got value. You got aggressive growth. You got large cap, small cap, international stock index, Asian, whatever uh, ETFs, bonds. You know what I'm talking about. Those of you that are still investors in the market. Well, each of those funds is further divided into hundreds of stocks. So it wouldn't be feasibly possible to look at each and every one of those. How's this stock doing? How's that stock doing? So this question from this person, do I measure the entire portfolio or do I measure my assets individually? That mindset is still in that Conventional wisdom world, the one we all grew up in, the one that was just pressed upon us day in and day out by our peers, by our parents, by our friends, by our coworkers, 401k, IRA, fund, fund, fund investing. So her mindset has not shifted yet over to the real estate investor. So the answer to her question is that yes, I track each and every asset individually. But yes, I track my entire portfolio as well. But both for different reasons. Different reasons. Every asset I have is a unique profit center. Or as J.D. Data Durham would say, a separate stream of income. I track them all. I manipulate each as needed to maintain my parameters of performance. I've got certain things that... I demand my assets return. When they're not performing to my requirements, then I make an adjustment. In single family investing, that may mean raising the rent. That may mean refinancing. That may mean selling. Look, if you're going to own this property for some time and the neighborhood's on the rise, it may mean doing a makeover. Yes, you've already rehabbed it. You've had it for a few years, but let's say the property's really... Uh, in a nice neighborhood that's under huge demand now, so maybe you need to bump it up a little bit. Maybe you need to go in and put granite. Maybe you need to redo the master bath into a walk-in shower, upgrade the roof, do the gray package on the interior, get rid of the beige. That might be in order, okay, so that you can then expand the rent, right? You've got to have the property to gain the rent, right? It's not going to rent for a certain amount if it's Less than the other houses in the neighborhood. Best product, best price. That's what we teach here at Lifestyles Unlimited. It may mean stainless appliances. But the bottom line, each asset must stand alone and must perform. I will not allow a poor performing asset to be covered up because I've got seven that are great performers, okay? I'm not going to allow that offset at all. You've got to ditch the bad performers or fix it or take action. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're a CEO of a large manufacturer nationwide, and you oversee six different divisions. You're a parts manufacturer. You've got the car parts division, the motorcycle, the RV parts, the airplane parts, the boats, and the ATVs, let's say. A CEO is going to require that every division perform. And divisions not performing are going to require action. Look, if that company overall is up 10% per year, but the airplane division and the boat divisions have lost money five straight years, that's poor management. There better be a good reason or that CEO is going to be asked to leave. He would need to present a reason to the investors why two of the divisions are losers. So you can't just look at the entire portfolio and go, oh, we're up 10%. No, you've got to look at each and every individual asset. That's what I do. Every house I have is measured. Every apartment, uh, essentially every apartment deal, every apartment investment that I'm in is measured. Now I'm in those as a passive. I have no say in the deal. That's part of the attraction, quite honestly, but I've chosen a lead investor that I know is doing the same thing, that person is making the necessary management day-to-day decisions to take action on that asset to keep it performing as best as possible. So keep that in mind. I'm tracking each and every individual asset that I have, and you need to do the same thing. If you're not, you're missing out. You've gotta look at that. Asset tracking and performance is critical to your success and when the time comes to make a move, to make a change, to sell one so that you can go invest in others, take that step. Don't hesitate. A lot of people fall in love with their assets. Oh, I've had that house for eight years or 10 years, and you've you got to keep moving. you got to churn it. you got to churn it. Now, in addition to that individual asset tracking, I have portfolio tracking. And, and as I said, for a different reason. This is the measurement of progress, the measurement to financial freedom. The amount invested, the cash-on-cash returns, the annual cash flow, the predicted cash flow, how much is invested year-to-date, how large is that cash flow snowball, as I like to say. Is it adequate to meet my financial needs, and am I meeting my long-term objectives? That's the reason for the portfolio tracking. It's really just a... A snapshot of where you are today and where you're going tomorrow. Are you on track? Are you getting to where you need to be? Okay. Are you buying your life back one piece at a time? Again, foundational change. Now, as we close out, I want to talk about networking. Very, very important. Dell Walmsley has a saying, not everyone wants to be a millionaire. That's a bold statement. When I first heard Dale say that, and that was at uh, my two-day seminar, May 17th, 2008, but who's counting, right? I thought that was a ridiculous statement because I'm thinking to myself, he said it early that Saturday morning. I'm thinking, heck yeah, everyone wants to be a millionaire. But as you go through this foundational life change as a real estate investor, we're going to ask you to do a lot. We're going to ask you to change your mindset. We're going to ask you to understand that everything you've been told conventionally is a failed plan you know, saving, paying off the house, the 401k, the IRA, working for 40 years. We're going to ask that you dive into education, learn everything. There's plenty up front, but there's continuous education from then on out. We're going to ask that you find and meet your mentor. We're going to ask that you consider cashing out your retirement plans or not doing anything for you. Retirement's a financial condition. It's not an age. We're going to ask that you borrow, invest with leverage. We're teaching this to you. You build wealth by borrowing, my friend, not by saving. And we're going to ask that you network. Of those seven items, many people would tell you networking is the most daunting. Those of you listening to me right now and you know who you are, you've got to get over this. You've got to get out there. You've got to meet people, like-minded folks, learn, share ideas, and grow. My name is Mike Harrison. I want you to understand it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. We'll see you next week. Make it a great day.